So you're going to have to uh, do some of the heavy lifting this episode because I'm just tired. Yeah, I'm tired. Is this recording now? Yeah. Oh, okay. So essentially, I think we should put spoilers up front. Yeah. Spoilers, if you're watching Picard and you haven't seen episode, what, four? Four. Maybe maybe stop right now if you don't want to be spoiled because this was But for the exciting. first time, we have put timestamps in the episode notes. We've got timestamps in the episode, so if you want to zoom on... You can just skip past this box yeah. and get to the other box. Robbie said he didn't want to be spoiled for Picard, but he did want to listen, so this is for you, Robbie. This is going out to Robbie. Yep. <laughs> north of here. Um, there's not have, much north of here. There's not much north of here, but there is Robbie, so timestamps for you. Um, yeah, so spoilers. This was an exciting episode. We've had basically three weeks of not really much, I have to say. Of battle exposition. Oh, exposition, exposition. Um, but this week, full-on opening scenes. They're in Picardian space with his new crew. Um, they're heading off to Free Cloud, which is a hilarious name for... Is it a planet? We don't know. We don't know. They're going to Free Cloud. However, they're making an unscheduled stop at, uh, I think it's called Vashti. Vashti. Vashti, does that sound right? Vashti is somewhere that Picard has unfinished business. Now, Captain Rios is not happy. Um, Alison Pill, can't remember her name, is bemused. Uh, I think that's her sort of register. That's her register. She's she's kind of a viewer proxy. She is a viewer proxy. Um, And Raffi, his kind of, uh, his first mate almost. I mean, Picard isn't captain, so whatever. Um, No one wants to go to uh, Vashti, but Picard does. And do you know what? He says a lovely line. It's probably the most affecting thing that's happened so far. He says, uh, I may never pass this way again. And I really like that as a show, it really acknowledges. The age. The age of him. He's like... This isn't like the start of something new for him. This is Kenny. Kind of, he's he's wrapping up. He's doing like a sort of a farewell tour. But he's also, you know, in that way of old people um, reflecting on, you know, mistakes and yeah. stuff. And Star Trek's always done that quite well. It's yeah. Al- it's always done that sort of age, look back at thing quite yeah. well. It has done that. And I think, um, yeah, whereas the Picard of old would have made a very impassioned argument for going to this planet Vashti, he just says, look, this is... I'm just going. I I need to go. This is my last chance. Um, So it's essentially, it was hard to understand. I find find the the plot quite hard to follow. But wasn't this... I commented to you as we were watching it. I think, and I could be wrong because I said I didn't really watch... um, uh, Enterprise that much, which and that was the most recent Star Trek, wasn't no it? No one watched Enterprise but, that much, but was, but as far as I know, yes. That was the most recent Star Trek, right? Oh, I don't know why you're asking me, but as far as I know, <laughs> I'm just maybe asking, there was something else we don't know about. Um, but I think that Picard might be the first Star Trek series where there's a, a an arc. There was always an arc. Obviously, there was always an arc, like in Voyager, they're trying to get home. Um, in, uh, it's always been a series long arc a series yeah. long arc but this time it's, it's very much a episodic episode, episode to episode, episode story yeah although I would argue that this one's almost standalone that you could have watched it from cold um, but yeah so they went to this planet Vashti <laughs> what you're saying this is, this is what should have been the first episode yeah from the off my god um, so they went to this planet Vashti and it's really interesting so essentially oh my god I might not be grasping this but I think what happened is they started Starfleet started evacuating Romulans yep under Picard um, they sort of displaced these uh, refugees almost onto this planet Vashti and then Picard had a big stushy with Starfleet and just like that was it yep. he was he was off and these these Romulans are just stranded on a planet that you know wasn't their own, wasn't a home, uh, and they were annoyed. And it, and it was tickling towards I, the thing as as I was watching this, 
because I started watching Picard and I'm thinking, what will be my one takeaway that I will bring up in the podcast <laughs> with Jenny? But like, I still haven't had that tickle, that sort of, that, that, um, uh, we talked about Zorkin before in like one of the first episodes, I say one of the first episodes, there's only, there's only one on the fourth, but we talked about that sort of sense of, this is ridiculous, but I'm bought in. Yeah. And I still haven't had that tickle yet, but the, the scenes on Vashti where he was talking to the Romulans who were there, um, about, you know, um, duty and and you know the humility of humanity i was like okay i'm, I'm yeah. beginning to who are you that. to step in at that point yeah. um but I'm, I'm who else not, who else not, lived on vashti come on but i'm still not there who lived on vashti i haven't had a apart proper... from the romulans who lived there tell me your favorite people yeah the warrior nuns <laughs> the warrior nuns the warrior nuns uh yeah they're amazing but there was like just so much i don't is it just because you know, we are connoisseurs of media now. <laughs> but, like, I don't remember being... I, I think it must be that. Like, let's let's just say it's that rather than... Because the alternative is this is just terrible, and I don't think that's the case. I find it very off-putting when you're staring at me so okay. intensely. I'll stare at the microphone instead. <laughs> I'll, 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 Chris your, is staring at me really intensely box. while he says this. <laughs> but, like, I... Yeah, I don't... I, I don't really want to You've lost focus now, you're not staring at me really yeah, intensely. I need, I, need, I, need, I need some person to tell this. Um, so, to. new character was introduced. So, actually, one major new character, I want to call him Elnor. Yes, I'm like that. Elnor. I also kind of want to call the him kid. Elrond. Because I want to call him Elrond. A yeah. little bit Lord of the Ringsy. <laughs> he's a. Yeah, so Jean Luc has hired an assassin. Yes. He, he's He's got Elnor to bind his sword to his mission. His Tits, mission being was- not totally sure. What was the line that I turned to you and said that's a good line? And we actually rewound to watch it. It was the one that the, the Mama Nun said. Can't remember. Oh, no, I can't remember. But However, Elnor had, uh, no, Jean Luc had a, a great line in the closures. Like, Elnor has decided to bind his sword to us. He thinks uh, our cause meets the criteria. And they're like, what is the criteria? And mm. he says he'll bind his sword, he'll only bind his sword to a lost cause. Yeah. And that's it. Big reveal at the end. Yep. They were like, who is flying this ship? Some mad bastard. An amazing pilot. He's taking crazy risks. Spoiler who did you think it was going to be? Okay, go. No, I'm not going to say. Who did you think? You know, okay, I thought it was going to be Riker. I was sure we were going to see Riker. So Riker gone rogue. So we didn't see Riker. No, although he was noticed as an exec producer or something in the... In the in His the director. Film. He directed Directors. this episode. Freaks. Freaks was on. Freaks was at the helm. Because and the reason I thought it m- might have been Riker was because uh, my pal and Grimley had posted a tweet or something with um, screenshots of number one, the dog. Mm. The other person who was so introduced to this episode, who actually was a pilot, Seven of Nine. Seven of Nine. And then number one, Riker. And looking like old and stuff, so like I I don't know why I well, posted that. I need to ask him. But maybe um, Ant knows something we don't. Maybe he's somehow ahead of us. But I thought it might have been Riker, but it wasn't. She looked amazing. It was seven. Seven of nine. I'm. I was glad it was her. And she saw, came in right at the end. Pithy one liner. And we saw in the recap, we saw. I sort of nudged you to say they mentioned Hugh there. They did mention Hugh. But yeah, we heard them mention Hugh we again. We still don't know if it was Hugh Hugh. I don't know if that's like a Borg little... Hugh. But like, why would you Why would you have a Borg context and mention, mention Hugh, Hugh and it not be Hugh? Exactly. If it's not Hugh, I'm going to be flipping furious. 
Um, if it's not even the same actor. He was so good. If you've never seen the Star Trek Next Generation episode, Hugh, I think it's just called Hugh. It's really fantastic. It's like one of the best hours of television uh, talking about you'll actually, ever what, see. What do you think? Who who are the good actors in this series? I actually think they're all very good. I think they're done, well, uh, they're doing let, their best with a rough script. Let's assume they're all doing well with what they've been given. All the older actors, so Allow Picard, Raffi. I don't know the I don't know the actors' names. Raffi's great. Um, shout out to the new Hollow Crew. <laughs> Captain Rios has got two other hollows. Um, the hospitality hollow, who was bonkers. But I like the way he stood a little bit uncomfortably close all the time. Yeah. And but right that- at the end, the weapons hollow. He was wild. You had to spend a night. I mean, I don't mean sexually. <laughs> I just mean spend a, a raucous night with one of the hollows. You would totally choose weapons hollow. He was crazy. He was a weapon. Yeah. I did like... I still think... Um, Picard is doing like uh, Patrick Stewart is doing incredibly well. Yeah, that was a good episode for him. I, I like. I'm I'm beginning to like like uh, evil English Treadway. Treadway, thank you. <laughs> I think he's doing actually a, a pretty good job. Yeah, they're all doing a good job with a sh- janky script. Um, uh, and Alison Pill, she, she, yeah, she's, she's rising from you. What like did she a- say that? Oh, she's like she has some great stuff to point out that it was weird that the kind of like. Um, dashing captain would read a paper book. <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, okay." In like a, couple, a thousand years in the future, this would be weird. But, but, but even then, like, because she had like a, a line about her dad yeah. um, being obstreperous and, yeah. and and reactionary and stuff. And like again, it was a like I must say, the script overall is I'm not <sighs> laughing. It's not great, it's, is it? It's clunky as all hell. Remember Nick? Uh, I may my, never pass this way again. My that old, was good. My old editor, Nick. Hi, Nick. Can never listen to the word clunky without thinking of it as euphemism for the pudenda. Really? How and rude. He just gets very excited. <laughs> at the word clunky. And just wrong with very, Nick? Very giggly. <laughs> it's akin to growler, I think, for Nick. Well, okay. I guess that's all right. Um, yeah, it's not a great script. But I, I must say, I think all the actors are doing a great job. Um, yeah, but that was a exciting episode, eh? It was. I, like... I, I confess to being a little bit, I, I, I just want them, to, I think actually, four episodes in, I'm now comfortable in saying they are too slow. Too slow. A wee bit slow. I want... But like, if every every subsequent episode has the same pacing as this but, one... But, yeah, sure. But that'd not be just, great. Not just too slow, but but they're, they're spending too much time like wanking on about um, like sets, scene setting and, and context and stuff. It's like, get to some... Some stuff. Deliver some Zorkin lines about like. You Stop know, going about Zorkin. I'm not interested in him. About, but like for me, it's a kind of good example of stuff that's crap, but can sort of elevate this, make the senses soar. Do you know a big problem I'm having? Go. Couldn't care less about the girl he wants to save. No. I like as far as I'm concerned, she could like fall out of a window into she's, space. She's quite two, two dimensional, isn't she? Yes, she's just really boring. That's probably enough Picard chat. Probably is. Uh, what would you like to see next week? Uh, More seven uh, of nine. Peace, 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 peace. I want to see us speeding the crap out of this and doing more in the. How long is that? How this episode? Really? Half an hour? I don't know. Forty-five minutes. Well, Honestly, I have no idea. Whatever length <laughs> it feels long. I want to do a bit more in the time we've got because, the, like, we're honestly ponderous, aren't it's they? It's a bit ponderous. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
But you know what? We said last week or the week before we wanted Picard in space, we wanted some familiar faces and we wanted some action. And we got all three of those things. We can't really complain. How do you feel about the way of absolute candor? The way of absolute candor. So the, wari- the warrior nuns... Funkily explained. <laughs> yeah, they didn't need to explain it. They were like, what's the way of absolute candor? And they were like, well, the, nu- the warrior nuns tell nothing but the truth. Yeah. And Alison Pill said that sounds like a bit of a drag, and yeah, she's right. It was a bit of a drag. It's it's fine. It's just there's no. I'm torn between being absolutely perplexed by the sort of allegiances and um, tribes and yeah, I don't care about and, that and like um, secret societies who are called one thing and the other thing and the other thing. I'm tired. Like all that's really confusing to me. Who's just like watching this, you know, for a bit of, you know, mild escapism on a Friday evening. And there was so many Star Trek fans just like... I know, they're waiting. Hate us now, yeah. Yeah, I know. And fair enough. I mean, they didn't like us to start with, so... I didn't like them. But, um... No, that's not true. Why would you say that? Um, But I think, like, that that sort of... We have to edit that out. We can't say we don't like Star Trek fans. (laughs) Who's going to listen to our podcast? Well, the people who listen to this podcast have already skipped the timestamp in the episode. That's true, that's true. I don't know. Too much, uh, um, sort of uh, housekeeping, and yeah. not enough uh, soaring sense of humanity. I want more of that crap. Anyway, Jenny, I don't want any soaring sense of humanity. I'd just like people to like zoom around in their spaceships. But you know what I mean? Like, there's always a, there's always the kind of the. You get that at the end. That comes at the end, like in the last two episodes, yeah. when everyone is like, "The final episode of Picard will move you to tears." Let's you know save that. Save it at the end. It's only one move to tears, but I just want a sort of sense of there being a meaning. <laughs> wow, you're asking <laughs> some, a lot. Some you're sense, asking a lot. Some of sense Picard. of something, right? Anyway, this week you are the one. So last week it was all about uh, me and. Ozaki-san. Your but best, this, best friend. BFFs. <laughs> uh, but this week, you're the one who did a cool media thing. I did do a cool media thing. If Are we talking about that I went to the cinema? Yes. Yeah, I went to the cinema. To see one of the most lauded films. All right, so, well, it feels like a long time since last we spoke, but it was actually just a week ago. So, last week we said I tried to go and see Parasite. I had not seen Parasite. Um, the day after we recorded, Parasite won... A shed load of Oscars. I mean, four Oscars. The first film not in the English language to ever be Best Picture. It's pretty exciting. Um, The cinema where I work has been great news for us. We've had people queuing up to see a subtitled film. Because you were showing it and the the, the big multiplexes weren't. Yeah, I mean, I I suspect they are showing it now. But at the time, we already had the film programmed. So it was great news for us um, to see people queuing up to see a subtitled uh, Korean thriller is pretty exciting. Um, so yeah, I finally managed to go in and see it. Oh my word, I'm not going to say much about Parasite, but I will say you should probably see it. <laughs> it's a, it's every all my all my Twitter pals wild. have seen it. Have it just is gone. A, it is wild. I've been so deeply affected by it. It is affecting. It's um, I must say as well. I know a lot of people who'd gone in knowing nothing about it and were very affected by it. I had in the course of my work um, read synopses of the film, so I actually knew all the major plot points and I kind of knew what to expect and I knew the kind of... And, you know, I, I had all the spoilers at hand um, and I went in to see it and I still found it, like, um, dazzling. And I don't mean dazzling in the sort of, ooh, shiny well, sense. I mean, no, no, I mean, like, deer in the headlights. It was really, like... Dazing. Gripping. And I realised, like, I realised, I said to you when I got back out to the car... 
and sat in the driver's seat, I realised that all the way out of the cinema, down the lift, out into the dark, down the street, across the car park, I was still holding my glass from the bar. Like I hadn't like, I was so like put it down. tense. <laughs> I hadn't let go of it. I sat down in the car holding my drink like, oh my God, I'm, I haven't like relinquished anything about my physical being. Um, but it is a wild ride. And I really, if you're at all interested in films or cinema or um, screenwriting or directing, you must see Parasite. It's uh, sensational. So in the broadest non-spoilery terms, give us the shape of the film and what it's doing and, and why. So it's hard to it's hard to categorise because it starts... It's, it's kind of partly a satire and it has, certainly has funny moments and it's partly a thriller. It's extremely tense in its second half. Um, Is there a sort of distinct act structure? Even, it's hard to say. I will say that it's... Um, it's you, you probably already know that it's a kind of satire on uh, the, the the close way that the rich, the very rich and the very poor have to work together. So it's about a family, of, a very, very rich family who employ a very, very poor family and how, how that relationship works. I don't want to say too much about it because I think you should really go and see it cold if you possibly can. Um, I will say two things. Uh, go into the film, go to see it knowing that the two houses that you'll see the the rich guy's house and the poor guy's house are sets which is unbelievable they look they, I thought it was filmed in you know I thought it was filmed in a real house they look so realistic and so complex and so detailed and all the production design is gorgeous and um, but they're purpose-built sets which is incredible and um, also once you've seen the film um have a look online just do a google see if you can find the director Bong Joon-ho's uh, storyboards I believe the storyboards will be coming out uh, as a almost like a graphic novel, as a book. As a book, almost yeah. In May, um, but there's some, there's a few sort of tweets around. There's a few articles around where you can see some of the hand drawn storyboards alongside scenes from the film, and they're absolutely beautiful and they're so accurate. And I think that's how he films. I think the whole film was filmed, and it's a complicated film. And it's a long film. Um, it was filmed in like two months because it was literally. Um, working exactly from his really detailed and very beautiful storyboards. Very auteur, kind of. Very, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I can't really describe it, but it's it's definitely worth a watch. And if you can't make it to the cinema, as we often can, um, yeah, just try and see it as soon as you can. It's it's uh, exciting, quite gory. I'll give a gore warning. There's a bit of gore towards the end. Because certainly, like last week when I was doing my uni, my my uni at <laughs> uh, DCA. Um, we, in the second screening that you got at Dundee Contemporary Arts, the screening of Parasite was on. And that was before... That was a preview. It was a preview yeah, exactly. we had, yeah. That was before the Oscars mm-hmm. had happened. It was. Um, but even then, that was packed out. Sold out, yeah. And it was sold, and, sold out. And it was, I think, you know, that sense of excitement and anticipation over a film that is sufficiently under the radar that you're not... It's it's not it's not Pixar it's not no. Disney it's, you know you, we don't quite know about this and yet you know that there's something incredibly special. It's uh, yeah it's had really even pre Oscars it had strong word of mouth it won best director at Cannes I think last year and since then we've had people asking at the cinema people have tweeted us to ask if we'd be showing it so we knew people would be interested but um, yeah I mean you must. If you get a chance, please go and see Parasite. You won't regret it. Um, you might regret it that evening when you're so anxious you can't sleep. Can't actually it's put your very, glass down. It's a very stressful film. If you, uh, <laughs> oh, we've got Twitter now. 
So if yes. after watching Parasite, you'd like to share your thoughts with uh, Mrs. Finn and me, you can tweet at HowPicard, H-O-W-P-I-C-A-R-D, HowPicard on Twitter. Mm. You can tell us what you think. Tell us what you think and uh, tell us how traumatised you are. Um, and if you're still holding your glass when you go into the car. <laughs> if you're still afterwards. hanging on to your glass. And when I go home, it, there's a lot of um, creeping around houses in Parasite. And when I go home, I did have to check. Every single room Every in room in the house. Every cupboard, every wardrobe. It was, every, yeah, yeah. It's, creep, it's a creepy, it's got a creepy second half. <laughs> so for me, this week was not about the big screen, but about the small. There were two programmes I was watching this week that I really, really enjoyed and I want to really recommend to folks and if you follow How Picard you will know about them on Twitter. The first was uh, Mary Beard or, or me rather because I don't think let's, I tweeted this in the How Picard. Let's heads up that if you're American you might not be able to watch this. Yeah both of them are an iPlayer but you know if you're American and watching this listen to this you're probably reasonably tech savvy and you can operate pirate sites but um or you could you could wait and see if bbc america shows it to you true so there were two episodes two programs on bbc iplayer this week that i they at least like properly elevated themselves to be like genuinely important and interesting and and, and touching so the first one i'm going to talk about is the mary beard uh double bill called the shock of the nude as distinct from the shock of the news, so it's a pun the, the on shock. that. It sounded like you said shop. Shop. The shock. The, the shock of the, the nude. nude. Uh, about the role of the nude in Western civilization and art. And it was... It, I'm, I'm not going to talk much about it, because please go and watch it, but the point I want to make was we're genuinely so fortunate and so lucky to have Mary Beard as a cultural commentator because she is uh, erudite and kind and witty and fun and uh, playful and coy and knowing and interesting. And whenever she does something, I watch it and I'm never disappointed. It's, it's really good. I watched that with you. It's really you good. Did, which one did you watch again? The first I, one, I think. The one with the life drawing, which, as an aside, we have a tip for if you do life drawing. It, yeah. it showed a hen party doing life drawing, which we both went to art school and life drawing is quite a normal part of uh, going to art school. I think when we, in our first year, we did life drawing like two or three times a week. Yeah. So it became quite normal to just go in a room and draw a naked person. So it seemed weird to show it as like a titillating thing that a yeah. hen party would do. It's quite disrespectful yeah. to the model. But anyway, he seemed fine. Um, but yeah, we do have a tip for life drawing, which is don't concentrate quite so much. On the genitals. On the genitals, yeah. yeah. Just don't worry about it. Every drawing we saw was like a kind of... Very vague, a sort of ghostly, impressionistic yeah. wash of a, f- a three-dimensional form in space, and then with an intricately detailed <laughs> penis. <laughs> it's like you don't need to focus so much on that; just worry about you know proportion, the whole figure. Yeah, yeah. And volume is, the, is yeah. the key, and actually the volume of the penis, regardless of the model, takes up a comparatively small does. percentage of that's, the space. That's our tip for life drawing. Just Top tip: Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the cock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, two-part series, each about an hour long, I think. Um, not just a kind of whistle-stop tour of the history of the nude and Western uh, art, although she explicitly says early on in the first episode, this is not a kind of historical, this is not Gombrich, you know, this is not a, an academic treatise that, that lays out the kind of arc of uh, the nude in Western, in Western civilization, But through the 
process of what she does, she touches on these major uh, touch points. You got Demoiselle d'Avignon, anyway. But it makes you think, and it is kind, and it is uh, human. And it's it acknowledges that bombs are funny. Bombs are funny. They are just funny, which she's not trying to pretend otherwise. No. And it's quite interesting to hear somebody in a ersatz academic context. Uh, it's did I say funny? I can't remember what just yes. what the adjective you said, was there. Funny, you said a lot of words. Funny is not the, actually the adjective. It's refreshing and lovely to hear somebody talking in quite uh, graphic terms just about bums and willies and tits and mm. everything else. Mm. And and it's kind of the opposite of the viz thing of like tittering about stuff. It's just like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes, we, yes, know. Yes. we We, we know this is funny. This. Anyway, second thing. Is it the V&A thing? No. Oh man. No, I'm not. I'm not even including that. So okay, so, I would like to say that just as I'm sorry. It's to, okay to take so, over again. So another podcast. No, please do. The, another podcast I listen to is uh, Off Menu with Ed Gamble and James Acaster, which is where they invite people to come in and talk about their uh, favorite starter main course dessert and side dish, and they have a thing called Honorable Munchins. <laughs> So this is your honourable munchin for this episode. Okay, my honourable munchin is... Um, well, I don't know what it's called. I thought you were going to talk oh, about it's it. It's called Into the Museum or something. Inside the Museum or something. If you... Yeah, it's on... It's Again, on iPlayer, is it BBC yeah. iPlayer? Okay, so I wasn't watching this, but you were, which is why I thought you were going to talk about it. But we watched an episode of Inside the Museum, which is about cu- the um, curation uh, of the v Museum. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, it's like restoration, curation, um, storage, uh, all sorts of stuff behind the scenes. Very, very interesting. Um, at the Victoria and Albert Museum at in the London. Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Um, it's an absolutely incredible show. Um, but what what moved me was Pompey. Mm. Pompey the elephant. They restore a toy elephant who's 100 years old, a handmade toy to go on display. And that little elephant... And it wasn't a mass-produced thing. It, it was before... It's handmade. It was at the kind of cusp yeah. of mass production. And it was uh, not just handmade. I think that, that suggests... Because lots of things even now are handmade for mass production. But this it was, was like, like a homemade, one-off. a one-off. Homemade, like, that's the word. Like a, a, a mum, presumably, had just constructed this thing for her That kids. little elephant's face haunts my dreams. <laughs> Wherever that's on display now, I want to see it. Is you it? See Pumpy. He's going on tour. I'm not quite sure Pumpy on tour. Pumpy on tour. His little face is like... His little... He'd seen, a, he'd seen some shit, man. His happy little trunk. They had to restore. It was all floppy, eaten uh, by moths. Anyway, not that. No. But actually, an episode, a programme you watched the second episode of, which was uh, Frankie Boyle's Tour of oh, Scotland. Oh, yes, yes, that was good. Which um, I'm interested in because it was... It, so Frankie Boyle is a, a, a Scottish comedian. A, controversial Scottish comedian, A controversial Scottish comedian, but I, I would suggest that he's not controversial to the, to, to the left. No. So to to sort of bleeding heart liberals like me, he is is a sort of truth to power thing. But but it's not a kind of he's not he's, he's well, he's veered into like making fun of the disabled and stuff like that. What's the interesting thing? So it's like Or I, has he? I don't so, know. So the point I wanted to raise was anyway, so the the, the show is a, a travelogue. It's Frankie Boyle, who is Scottish, going around Scotland and chatting to folk and doing these um very dry pieces to camera, where I think it's actually an autocue. His links, his links are hilarious. Well, I the must thing say. is, I don't know how hilarious they are if you're if you're not 
primed for it because it yeah. delivered very straight. Very deadpan, yeah. Very deadpan. And I suspect he's on an autocue for those. I can see his eyes flicking in that slightly oh, yeah, yeah. He's reading away it. for an autocue. But it's funny. Um but but like if you're if you if you you're I always think of uh, male co- male trains in like the 1900s which would have a a, a a arm outside of them as they swung past where there was a sack of mail on a pole beside the track and they wouldn't stop and they'd catch it and if you got your sort of arm of your mail coach out to catch these gags they are very very funny if you don't you'll you'll, you'll scream past it 100 miles an hour anyway um I adored it. I I think I love Frankie Boyle. I think I lo- I like him. I yeah, think, I do like him. I think he's funny and on the side of the angels. He's but spoken a little. F- he's spoken a lot about how he doesn't drink anymore, and I think he definitely came across as more reflective yes. uh, in this than he has. Yeah. But isn't it funny that in twenty twenty, we do I do ascribe a certain uh, value to. May I like this person? Yes, yes. Because I think he's inside of the angels, and every time he does comedy, every time I see, every time I, I have seen him, I have thought you're telling jokes that are funny but also not cruel, yeah, and not exploitative. Um, but it's notable that, that that's the thing we think now. I think well, twenty years ago we wouldn't think that. We just think. He, that person's funny or not. Well, we watched, um, with our daughter this week, she's four, I watched uh, the BFG, the Mark Rylance oh, live-action BFG. But him. it was the same thing. I, As a child, I absolutely loved Roald Dahl books and I particularly loved the BFG. It's a, it's a, one of the most warm-hearted Roald Dahl uh, kids' novels. And we're, before you even finish that sentence, Mark Rylance is perfect, Oh, he's right? amazing. I mean, he the is film is fantastic. perfect as a BFG. But the whole time I was like... Oh, Roald Dahl's yeah. like recently unveiled as like a terrible anti-Semite. Yeah. Can I still like this? And yeah. but but the interesting thing about watching it with a four-year-old is you just have to very much take it as face value. And and that film, however you feel about Roald Dahl, um, the film is sensational and all the design is very beautiful. And Mark Rylance is the BFG. His voice, I assume it's motion captured. Could because the BFG they looks, like looks like him. him. Um, is really excellent. Mark Rylance, aka flop in our flop household. in our household. Um, he's flop, I would be. But it's, it's, that's a really sensational one. But I can't did, remember what channel it's on, but, but it it's make, great. It did make me think, though, and so so this is, obviously, I mean, none of this is scripted, but even this is not scripted even by my standards, but like, and so if you're listening to this, we decided not to cut it. But um, so there was a conversation recently on social media about, um, I say recently, it was two or three weeks ago now, about... J.K. Rowling and Ooh, anti-Semitism. The trans stuff. No, not the trans stuff, but anti-Semitism about the uh, goblins at Gringotts. Oh, I hadn't seen that. And talking about the fact that you know the, the, this is an anti-Semitic. I maybe it was longer ago than three weeks, but anyway, anti-Semitic trope. Here's a here's a bit that really resonated with me though. A lot of people were saying you know the the, the goblins at Gringotts, the bank in Harry Potter, are an anti-Semitic trope because it's the big noses and they're financiers. And they're kind of mean. And, and they're yeah. mean and they're, I mean, you can argue with the morality, but, but you know, these are obviously creatures you're, you're supposed to find a little bit sort of weird and yeah. disgusting. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of kind of um, role in defenders came forward and says, well, that's just what goblins are in Western yeah. literature. Yeah. 
but a lot of people then came Why did they have to be bankers? <laughs> no, no, no. They were saying they were, it was that sort of thing, but okay. a lot of people came back and said, well, yes, but the reason that's embedded in Western literature is because of a deep-set anti-Semitism. Mm. You accused me on this podcast before, I've just touched Jenny on the shoulder there, about being far too serious. This is way too serious. I, I just wanted to have a laugh about Picard. I didn't want to talk about anti-Semitism. Can we cut this out? No, we can't. Put the music on. No, That's it. We're done. No, we're not, because you've missed out another massive cliffhanger. Go on. Did I win the work Oscars competition? Well, I know the answer to that. No, I did not. I did not win the staff Oscars competition. (sighs) I mean, I am gutted. Mm. I'm not going to lie, I am gutted. But there's everything to play for. There's another Oscars next year. But this is the problem, you see. I'm very happy that Parasite won all those Oscars. But it did sew me down the river. Yeah. I, I didn't win the Oscars competition. I mean, Helen did the counting. And she said I got seven right, and the winner, the overall winner, got nine right. So I was two off. It's not bad. If 1917 had won a couple, I'd have been better. But, you know, do you know what? I'll take it. I'd rather Parasite won some Oscars. I want to quickly talk about Snowpiercer. Which we didn't watch this Didn't week. watch. I, even, I was so confident that we were going to watch it on Valentine's Day that I uh, said on Twitter I was going to watch Snowpiercer and talk about it. Which is on Prime? It's on Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Now, the reason I know this is because... And what is Snowpiercer? Who directed it? Well, let me tell you. I'm, I'm just about to tell you, Chris. Okay. The reason is, last week I spoke so much about wanting to see Parasite, um, which is directed by the Korean director, uh, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, a lot of people came back to me saying, but have you seen Snowpiercer? IRL. Um, partly because he di- uh, is directed by that very director and written by him I think as well Um, also it's an English language film for the most part stars Chris Evans Uh, everyone which Chris Evans the DJ not the English radio radio DJ the Captain America Chris Evans Um, everyone at work well may I drag my Chris Evans package in here for a moment may I bring it in and unpack it 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 surrounds us as we speak so I have a I have a little Captain America doll. He's he's here now. He's over there. He's within. I he's on the mantelpiece. He's sight. currently holding my uh, Parasite cinema ticket. It's looking good. Um, but he's usually at work. Obviously, he's usually at work. So there's there's a conception. There's a belief about me that I'm a massive Chris Evans fan. What 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 gave rise to this um, <laughs> vile slander? <laughs> well, it is true. But there's a belief that I'm a big fan of his. For the obvious reason, which is he looks really cool when he rips that log in half. Have you seen that gif? He rips the yeah. log in half. So that is, that's, I I guess, where everyone's coming from. But I'm actually in, so anyway, I've lost the plot of this. He rips the log in half. That's why everyone thinks I love Chris Evans. I do love Chris Evans. For And, and for that reason. And for that reason. I'm not discounting the log ripping in half. That's an incredible gif and I will deploy it whenever I get a chance. Um, but also, uh, I like him because he does a lot of like interesting indie flicks alongside his like Captain America stuff. And I reckon if you're Chris Evans, I mean, I can't really identify with a giant American beefcake yeah. with a successful career. Um, but I imagine if you're him, there, there, you could have a very nice career just doing 
beefcakey blockbusters, but yes. he does these really nice indie films. Doesn't get a lot of critical recognition. You know why? Too beefcakey. Yeah. He needs to ug it up like Christian Bale or yeah. Charlize Theron. Yeah. He needs to put on a lot of weight, lose a lot of weight, have some like forehead waxing so he looks a bit more baldy or something. Yeah. But yeah, too good looking. Um, also talks very openly about being an anxiety sufferer, which I also am. Now, yeah. I was diagnosed with anxiety in 2016. Um, and it took a long time. It was, uh, I was suffered for a long time with like... And you didn't need forehead waxing because I, you actually had I was a massive clump of hair falling. Hair, I was losing hair. I was sweating. I, I went bald in my 20s, I should be. <laughs> I was very, very poorly and it didn't get recognised by... Um, the medical profession. medical profession for a long time because it, it is, was not at that time a very well-recognised condition. Particularly, I had a baby at the time and, it, and people were very focused on uh, postnatal depression. And mm. It was very obvious I wasn't depressed. You know, the criteria for depression are things like lethargy, not being able to get out of bed, this kind of stuff. I was very much the, get the out opposite. Of bed yes, I couldn't go to bed. You did one of the sort of diagnostic tools which scores you out of like 22 or something you got 20 no it was 20 it was out of 20 and i got 18 so i, I was very severely anxious so i really appreciate anyone in the who has this like public profile talking very openly about anxiety um and he does that so there's my chris evans baggage i have a side baggage yeah that i meant to talk about when you're talking about frankie boyle which is um you know how some things are funnier when you're from like yeah. a sort of regionally specific yeah. joke which is uh <laughs> When I went to see Avengers Endgame, which Chris Evans is in. If you're not familiar with the Avengers, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. Um, but anyway, I went to see Avengers Endgame. The opening weekend was a great atmosphere, really full cinema. You went on your own, didn't you? Went with Meg from work, yeah. We went to see it. I say on your own, without me. Without you. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. Um, but there's a scene, there's a very, very intense scene between like two characters. It's like Vision and Wanda having this really intense scene about their love and how they're being torn apart. It's all on a street in Edinburgh and directly behind them, there's a chip shop and there's a sign in the chip shop that says, we will deep fry your kebab. And that, I imagine that got a laugh wherever you saw Avengers Endgame. But if you saw it in a cinema in Scotland, it was like, it was the funniest thing I've ever experienced in like a, watching a and dramatic scene it was so funny like so people laughed when they saw that sign and then we kind of listened to the dialogue but all through the dialogue people were really laughing <laughs> and then the laughter would die down and then someone would start laughing again and we just couldn't it would flick away and then it would flick back and we would all see the deep fryer kebab sign again <laughs> it was just so funny it was so like weirdly regionally specific in a film that was about you know was, dimension was, hopping was not, aliens it wasn't just national or global it was and not even universal it was multi-dimensional there was like a girl behind me was like oh yeah i've had a deep fried kebab so funny it was so it was just so incongruous and I hilarious still, i still maintain and please if you're uh, if you can identify with this let us know on the how kebab uh, how kebab let's do that as well how picard account on twitter but to me there's nothing funnier as a scottish person than a scottish person doing a scottish accent yeah that is always funny so i want to know if that's true but that's if you're also from arkansas or if you're from 
<laughs> I wore so. That is always funny. I always like it when Americans do that nerd voice that yeah. only Americans can do. It always yeah. makes me laugh. They're not really trying. Um, and when we lived down in Bath and Bristol, no one can do a funnier West Country accent than people actually from the West Country. That's always hilarious. BC Dubs. One final thing. We, we're wildly over time, but. Um, what about I, my baggage? I still need to pack it up. I want. <laughs> I want to take a moment to acknowledge the brilliance of the fact that in Bristol there is shortly to be a Cheers drive. <laughs> Care to explain that one? No, you go for it. <laughs> okay, so when you get off the bus in the West Country, people say, cheers, drive. Cheers, drive. Cheers, drive. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, one must always that, which say... Transla- which translate, translates as, thank, thank you, driver. driver. Yeah. One must always thank the bus driver when you get off. I don't yes. care who you are. Yeah. Um, but in Bristol and the West Country, it's cheers, drive, and they're about to uh, inaugurate a cheers, drive, as in... It's a street. Acacia Drive. Yeah, it's a street called Cheers Drive. Cheers is that true? Drive. Is that no genuinely true? Is that fake news? No, no, no. I've seen a picture on uh, the Twitters of the actual signs stacked up in a municipal parking lot somewhere wow. about to be installed. We are wildly over time. Do you have any final thoughts? Why? Who set the time? Is this a thing that you've decided? I just think there's a, um, a, a length of a duration, a period of people's lives that we can reasonably expect to inhabit and I think we've taken the piss hitherto. That's fair. This has been one of the messiest podcasts I would say so far. Well it's because I'm I'm off my game and not leading us through a clear and coherent narrative. I mean we haven't even there's no running order, there's no ad lib jokes written down. Did you know by the way that uh, Frankie Howard uh, famously didn't ad lib a single line? Really? All his ooh misses and his um, big titters, small titters, ad, ad libs, and commas were all scripted. Written down really laboriously. Yeah. That's really depressing. Yeah, it, is. it um, really is. Well, I mean, for me, I'd say also, as a mitigating factor, it's been a rough weekend. I've been to a kid's party. Before most people got yeah. up today, we went to a kid's party. Mm-hmm. As you know, I looked around that party, like 50% of the kids were crying. Yeah. I was like, why are we even here? Yeah. Eating tiny little sausages. And 25% of the parents. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, got cold. Yeah, with cold. Um, but yeah, but let's keep the energy up for the end. Let's of the show Let's keep the energy up. Yes. Yeah. So lots next going episode on. of Picard, we want to see pace, pace, and vim, and vigor, and pep, and everything else. I would love to see Riker get out from behind the camera. Yeah. Imagine if Chris Evans is announced to like some sort of incredible like role with or without plastic forehead extension. No, it wouldn't be that. He needs to do some sort of like. Really like method crazy diet or something. Oh yeah, Christian Bale style. Christian Bale style. He needs to like put on two hundred pounds or lose two hundred pounds. I'm making no such promise for next episode, but <laughs> because I, I would take full responsibility for that career oh. decision. Okay, uh, so Hypercard on Twitter. You can let us know what you think of uh, our ramblings. Only if it's nice. Don't you... tell us if you hate it. Yeah, that's true. I'm tired. Um, I mean, it's traditional at this point to invite rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts. No, let's your not. Podcast. I don't think we should. But I think we should explicitly say, please don't. <laughs> please don't review us. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Oh.